I've always loved snow. But as a kid, I really, really loved the snow. So whenever there was a decent fall of snow, there was nothing more exciting than getting out the sleigh and then going to the steepest hill we could find on the farm and then just enjoying the ride. And it was fast, oh so fantastically fast. And about halfway down, we'd reach that perfect speed. You know that speed that fills you that mix of excitement and adrenaline and fear? And at times we weren't even sure we'd make it all the way down without falling off, hit the wrong, sort of a wrong bump on the ground, and you'd go flying up into the air and just tumbling and tumbling. But even when that happened, there was one thing we fell out, brilliant. There's one thing. <laughs> it's a good morning. It's a good morning. <laughs> a crown came off. Hey. It's fine. So even when that happened, remember we're flying down this hill, okay? Even when that happened, there's one thing that was never in question, your destination. One way or the other, you were going to make it to the bottom of the field. Stopping really wasn't an option. Once you set off in that sleigh, gravity was going to take care of the rest. You're going to be guided to your destination. It really was that simple. Once you started the sleigh ride, the only way was down. And I can't help but thinking that if only the decisions and the choices that we made in life were all that simple. See, more often than not, life feels a lot more like a maze. When my daughter Rosanna was growing up during the summer months, we'd sometimes go for a very different kind of experience. At Rees Heath College in Nantwich, they grew a maze made of maize. It's the perfect crop, grows to about eight feet in height, and they would call this maze the maze maze. It's either a clever pun on words or just laziness on their part. But we would enter this maze, we would keep walking until we reached a dead end. And then our only option was to turn around and try another route. And as we worked our way through the maze, we would slowly, sometimes very slowly, develop a sense of direction which was built up by walking down multiple dead ends and closed doors until eventually we would find our way out. And getting to your destination by slaying down a snowy hill is exhilarating, it's filled with certainty, and it only takes a few seconds. By contrast, finding your direction through a maze, though still a lot of fun, was challenging, and could take several hours. And the problem for most of us is that we are told that when we, that moment that we come and put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we need to be consistently and deliberately walking in God's way according to his purposes, according to his will. You are told to follow Jesus. However, most of the time, knowing God's guidance feels more like walking through a maze than it does that downhill sleigh ride. And to make matters worse, it often feels, as we look around, that everybody else seems to have their life sorted. So you may be well sitting here this morning and wondering, am I the only person who's actually struggling to know God's direction for my life? 
Well, it may, it may feel like that. That may be you this morning, but I hope these verses that we're going to come to in Acts chapter 16 are hopefully going to be helpful, but also reassuring to each and every one of us. So we pick up the story, Acts chapter 16, where Paul and his companions are setting off on their second missionary journey. But they have got a problem, and they don't really know which way to go. Let's read the few verses. Starting at verse 6. It says, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, But again, the Holy Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. Now, to fully understand what is going on here, a map, of course, can be really helpful to do that. So if 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 it's not too small, you hopefully can see it behind me there. And Paul and the others, they're traveling through modern Turkey, They go through the middle of Phrygia and Galatia. And Paul has been visiting the churches that he's planted, the churches that he has founded along the way. But then he tries to enter into some new territory for the Lord by traveling east into Asia Minor. God closes the door. It's a dead end. Paul is in a maze. And when he does not find that works out for him, then he tries to go to Bithynia, and he can't go there either. And we are not told why or even how God stopped him, but I'm sure that, that Paul is disappointed, perhaps even a little bit discouraged. See, up to now, everything seems to be going fairly smoothly, at least in terms of the direction in which God is calling them to go. So it must have been a great surprise to discover that areas of opportunity are being closed to the gospel. And yet somehow, all of these uncertainties are part of God's sovereign grace. God has a purpose in this. There's always a reason, even for the confusion of a maze. And God is pushing them further and further West. He's pushing them into Europe, so they end up in the port of Troas. So even though they, they don't really seem to know exactly where they're going, every step of the way happens because of the prompting of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So even though God is not telling Paul and his companions where to go, but rather where not to go, he is still slowly leading them, and they are learning what God wants them to do. I don't know, perhaps you feel a little bit, little bit like Paul at the moment. If God keeps closing doors in front of you, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Listen, God is still has a purpose even in the dead ends. That, that said... I would prefer God to speak clearly 
I prefer God to tell me what to do, preferably with a big arrow in the sky pointing in exactly the right direction. But when you don't hear God speak in that way, don't be thinking that God is not leading you. He is. A closed door may feel disappointing. It may even feel a little bit disconcerting, but it is still God speaking to you and into your life. However, sometimes God does speak very clearly. Let's just read on. Verse 9. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So up to this point, as we've heard, Paul has made loads of decisions without any clear guidance. It began with a decision to go on the journey in the first place. Then he picks up Timothy along the way. He then chooses which region to try to go to. Several times, God shuts the door, can't go there. And now he gets this very specific, very detailed vision, a very clear call from God. This is the flashing arrow in the sky that I want all of the time. This is the certainty of that sleigh ride down that snowy hill. And when God speaks this specifically, it is great. But notice that Paul doesn't wait around until something like this happens. And neither should you. You see, more often than not, we are called to walk by faith. We navigate through the maze and we grow as we do. As we walk through the maze, we grow in obedience and we grow in faith towards God. So it was by faith that God got Paul and his team to the right place. And now that they're there, he pushes them over the edge with a vision of a man calling Paul to come to Macedonia. Why? Well, it's pretty obvious, I know. God wants them in Macedonia. He wants them to tell people about Jesus. He, he wants the message to go further into Europe. Listen, this is our heritage. It's our heritage. God had you in mind with that directional vision. Not surprisingly, Paul responds quickly to this vision. And although God's guidance can be difficult at times... There are also many examples in the scriptures where God leads very, very clearly. One of the most powerful examples is where God leads, where examples of God's people knowing the, the direction of God is found in Exodus when he leads them out of Egypt. Most of you may know the story. By day, God's presence was there, symbolized by this thick cloud, this permanent cloud that doesn't get blown around in the wind leading them, directing them. And then at night, the cloud would have been even more visible because a fire burned within it. Now, if you're anything like me, those times when you worry most, those times when your problems seem to be all, all the greater are often in the dead of night. 
at this time, the fire of God is burning within the cloud. God is saying, I am with you. In fact, one thing was for sure that nobody in that camp, none of those Israelites had ever needed to ask the question, is God with us? They could see it with their own eyes. They'd seen God at work in them and what he'd done through them and how he'd led them already. They had no excuse for not believing what their eyes were telling them. Listen, we also have no excuse because even though the visible cloud is gone, Jesus Christ has come. And Jesus Christ came and he died and he rose again and he ascended up into heaven. And when he left this earth, he sent his Holy Spirit to each one of you who by faith put your trust in him and walk in obedience before God. And if you learn to live your life in the presence of God, filled with the Spirit of God, and keep looking at what God has done for you and what he's doing in the world around us, we have got no excuse. But isn't this especially in those times when God speaks very clearly, very directly, very powerfully, that faith is easy. And that you can know both God's protection and also his guidance in your life. And what we see from the story back in Exodus is that those who dwell in, the, in God's presence have a covering on them. A covering of God's protection over them. For us it is the blood of Jesus Christ. When he died, he died for you. He gives you his covering, his protection and you are safe under his divine protection. I remember back at 17 years old, I just passed my driving test and I was coming back from a friend's house one evening, driving along the road, it's late, it's dark, and the road's unfamiliar, it's, it's poorly lit, but the road went round and then it bent very sharply round to the right, but there's also a little road that went straight on. Now in that moment, of confusion or whatever, I thought the way I needed to go was to go straight on. So I was coming along at reasonable speed, and I was driving along, and I went flying straight across this road, cutting right in front of the car coming the other way. I was literally centimeters from them. It could have been a serious head-on collision. Probably, who knows what would have happened. Many people would say, well, it's probably dry, bad driving and a bit of good luck. When I got home that night, I thanked God for his protection. See, the truth is, in that moment, God's hand of protection was over my life because God had got more for me to do. Now, I'm not saying that we should take stupid risks or even just do silly things and hope that God's going to just help us out when we're being crazy. But listen, when problems arise, when difficulties come, you need to remember that God's hand is on your life and that you've got nothing to fear when you walk in his will and walk in his purposes. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set my feet upon 
a rock. The Israelites were not just under divine protection, but they were also under divine direction. Whenever the cloud lifts and moves, they follow. Whenever the cloud stayed, they stayed. And listen, there's always a time to stay and a time to go. And can I suggest to you today that although that cloud has gone, that you can be assured that there are times when God speaks and when God guides and when God will give very specific directions, very clear guidance, just like in the vision that Paul had, just like the cloud of God's presence as he led the Israelites. And in those times of direct certainty, equal to that of slaying, of, 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 of slaying down that, 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 um, that hill of snow, God can prophetically speak and lead you. But of course, it's not always that easy. So what do you do when you don't get clear direction from God? It's life, isn't it? How do you know his guidance? How do you navigate the maze that so often is our lives? How do you know what God is calling you to do? And I, it, it could be perhaps a call to a new job. Maybe into a new ministry, into a new work. It could be, I don't know, a new house. It, it may be your, your future husband or wife. And, and of course the list could go on. I'm sure there are things that you're facing at the moment wanting to know God's direction. What's God, how's God leading me in all of this? So this morning I want to suggest to you that there are some principles that you can apply to every decision that you make. After all, God is interested in every aspect of your life, big or small. You know, God is interested in Jack's next job. He is. He's interested in every situation, every thing that you're seeking him for. So how do we know? Well, the first thing is this. He guides us through his word. Now, if you've been around this church for any length of time, this should not be new to you. <laughs> I've said this many times before, as others have done. But in the Bible, God gives you principles for living. It's through scripture that many of the questions about life are answered, and you need to know God's word and then follow it. If you want to walk if you want to walk in the will of God, make the Bible part of your life every day. It's not rocket science, but it's hard. If that's not you, make, why not ask God now just to give you, by his spirit, that desire to be in his word each day. The writer of the psalm, Psalm 119, describes how important it is for us. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The second thing is be quick to listen. God will guide you through the counsel of wise and godly people. In fact, just simply sharing a problem with someone can help you to see the answer more clearly. And God says in his word that you should listen to others'
carefully. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is guidance, uh, sorry, where there is no guidance, important word, no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. You don't act in a vacuum. Don't try to find God's will in your, uh, for your life in isolation. You are part of a community, hopefully a community of wisdom, a community of love. So choose someone who can give you wise biblical advice. Someone like a small group leader or a church leader or someone who you know walks with God, who spends time in the word of God and who's filled with the spirit of God. Proverbs 19 says, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Thirdly, ask yourself the question, will this decision bring blessing? Is it actually good? It's very clear from scripture that you should view this world through a Christ-centered lens. So when you've got a decision to make, looking at your choice with the eyes of Jesus should actually really help you to decide what to do next. Let me give you an example. Suppose you're looking for a new job. There are certain jobs, certain industries that are good, and actually there are others that are bad. But also there's different ways of running a business. Some businesses are run very ethically, some businesses are run anything but ethically. Now unfortunately, even though that's not, it's not always that simple, it cannot, can't always be clear at the beginning of a job to know exactly what you're stepping into until you're actually there, but God's spirit helps you. So listen to him. He works to keep you out of places that would be evil or hurtful or unhelpful. Because not every job, not every situation is actually even suitable for the Christian. So ask the question, is this place good for me? Is this place going to bring blessing to my life? And actually, am I being a blessing to others through what I'm doing here? Fourth one leads on from that. And it says, run towards need. You know, there's much need in this world. We all know that. So another question that might be helpful to ask, what does this world need? In fact, how can I best bring and help to do God's work in my situation? See, God's Spirit works within you to seek out those needs. And your choice of work, the way in which you serve, the way in which you behave, is much more than just looking at your own comforts or your own securities or wealth. The decisions you make, and should make at least, should be with other people in mind, thinking what are their needs and how can I meet them? Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus doesn't just define human need. He gives you eyes and ears to discern where those needs are. So part of the way in which God guides you is to move you away from selfishness and actually move you towards need meeting. That's what it is to love as Christ loves. So in your decision making, run towards need. Fifthly, don't forget what you love. 
Listen, God has given us so many different abilities and, and, and gifts. Some of those abilities you're born with. Others, of course, you um, develop through practice. And then, of course, there's spiritual gifts, which God just blesses you and gives to you because you're his child. But all of these things will shape who you are and what you enjoy. So here's what Romans, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8. He says, according to the measure of grace given to you, use your gifts. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If you your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership abilities, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And those last three gifts that Paul mentions here, giving, leading, kindness or, or mercy should actually cause us to sit up and to take notice because these gifts are essential both for life within the church but also life and relationships within our workplace or within our studies. But the point that Paul is making here that we need to understand is that you all have got different inclinations, different instincts, different skills, different mental capacities, different emotional strengths, different tastes, different capacities for stress and for endurance, different capacities for crowds and for isolation, and on and on it goes. God has made us all different, which means that he has designed you to be better at some things compared to others. I'm not saying that you should only do what comes easy to you, but find out who you are. Find out what do you enjoy, because knowing this will really help you. Knowing how God has skilled you will really help in making decisions. But at the same time, don't say, I'm not going to do anything unless I am per that, that, I'm that, that I'm perfectly gifted for that particular position. See, there are times when you need to get out of your comfort zone in order to do good. Sometimes you simply need to do things that really don't suit you because they just need to be done. Nevertheless, I want to go back and say this. We live in a world where there's so much choice around so find out how God has gifted you because knowing this will be a really important part of God's calling and God's guidance in the choices that you make in life. The sixth thing, what are your holy desires? What's the Holy Spirit saying? See, often the Holy Spirit works through our circumstances he opens and he closes doors. He opens opportunities. He closes opportunities. I'm sure that's what's happening to Paul on this missionary journey. But he also works within our hearts, within our minds, to show us the right path. The prophet Isaiah describes it as this. He says, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You need to get tuned in to the voice of the Spirit. I haven't personally heard the audible voice of God, though I know some people have, 
When the Holy Spirit speaks, he can speak through a thought, he can speak through prompting, he can speak even through a feeling. But remember that he will not say anything that is against the word of God. Everything that you think the Holy Spirit may be saying to you must be balanced up against what the word of God actually says. Of course, this can be a little bit subjective and maybe even a little bit controversial at times. But God, by his spirit, can use all things that we've previously mentioned to produce a consistent, strong desire to lead you into a particular way of serving God or ministering in the church or, for that matter, even within the workplace. And those inclinations can be very significant, especially at times when you're in the presence of God. This can be a really useful way of knowing God's guidance. John Piper says that when these desires, these Holy Spirit urges are most reliable is when three characteristics are in place. The first is this, that they are recurrent. In other words, it's not just some flash in the pan. This, is, this, this keeps coming back again and again and again. Secondly, they're strong. This is not some passing, some weak, some insignificant feeling. This is more than a whim. This is a real sense, strong sense that we feel God speaking. And then thirdly, perhaps most importantly, These desires are not desires that are awakened while you're walking in sin or feeling distant from God or not enjoying worship. Listen, desires cannot be trusted when you're not spending time in the word of God or active in serving others. No, desires that happen during those times are not reliable at all. Paul says, this is the will of God, your sanctification, your holiness, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. The bottom line is this, is that holiness is God's ultimate will, God's ultimate purpose for your life. And because holiness is God's will for you, it's safe to say that desires produced by holiness are significant for your guidance. So walk in his will, walk in obedience with him, but listen, listen to his voice. And then finally, prayer. Cover every decision in prayer. One of the greatest gifts that God has given you is prayer. One of the reasons that you should be praying is that when you speak to God in prayer, you will become wiser in the choices that you make. If you lack wisdom, James 1.5 says, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So pray over every decision that you face day in, day out. Pray for God's help to make good choices so that you don't waste your life. We want to make good decisions, do we not? We want to step into the will of God. We want to be in the right place. We want to do the right job. We want to give glory and honor to God. As we have a wonderful Savior Jesus Christ, who died for you, who rose again, he did all of that. He was sent by the Father that you might know God. And God is speaking to you today. Many different ways, 
perhaps through different people, through his word, most definitely, by his spirit, yes. So listen to his voice and follow him. And whether God speaks to you clearly or whether he's speaking to you indirectly and you think as if I'm just wandering around a maze, doors kept getting closed here, here, and here, and I'm not quite sure where the destination actually is, but God is working in every single situation as you walk in obedience with him. And there, my friends, that's the key. It's obedience. It's by faith. It's with a heart that's given over to God, a heart of repentance before God. So let's stand together. I'm going to finish with a song as we're going to bring things to a close. I hope this has been helpful for you this morning. I know that some of you probably have almost certainly facing challenges and difficulties and we've heard from Jack's already and, and I'm sure there are others who just want a bit of clear revelation from God. And listen, it may be a God breaks in even, even before we finish this service and just brings that vision, that prophetic voice, that, that situation. That, that's, that's a faith for those sort of things. But also let's be willing just to step out, to step out in obedience for him. It's a little verse from Corinthians says, for we walk by faith, not by sight.